The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women. And beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sororities' rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature. Be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with MJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. MJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops, and that by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real. Hey, Allison, how are you? I'm great today, Sarah. How are you doing? Great. It's a little bit feeling like spring here in Indiana a little bit today. So that's nice. It is. The sun makes all the difference. It really does. Mm -hmm. does. So we thought that um, we would share some housing, chapter housing related lessons from COVID today. And so before we dive into kind of some of the lessons that we've learned, we thought we would recap things. It's um, March 3rd as we're recording. So pretty close. I think we kind of shut everything down here on March 17th, I think was our last day in the office at MJM. Yeah. I got a notification yesterday that we're nearing a whole year, our like work from home anniversary, you could say. So, (laughs) so as we come up on this year anniversary, we thought it would be helpful to kind of look back and reflect a little bit and specifically in terms of chapter housing. And so what we when everything shut down, at first, we thought it would just be a couple weeks. I think that's pretty standard for everyone. So we pretty quickly started working on a resource that we called uh, Things to Consider Before Reopening the Chapter House. Um, at one point, I think it was 21 pages long. And the most recent iteration of it is only 13 pages long. But um, mm-hmm. in that, we went over some some challenges specific to sorority chapter housing in terms of COVID and, um, and then just some CDC guidance in terms of communal living facilities. And then as, you know, April wore on, more and more campuses were closing for the rest of the year. And uh, so we kind of turned our sights to thinking about what it might look like to reopen in the fall. And during this time, too, we were learning a lot more about the virus. We all joke that we learned way more than we ever wanted to know about epidemiology. (laughs) And just kind of, if you think about it, for all of us, really, like a whole new vocabulary that we've learned. So we all should pat ourselves on the back for our um, ability to adapt, I think. But we we were just continually trying to update that update that information as we learned more. So you know, at first we were really concerned about surface contamination, but as scientists learned more about the virus, that became less of a concern and the kind of ventilation concerns and proximity to each other 
um, became more of an issue, which is obviously a, a special challenge for sorority chapter housing. And so we were just working with our clients in terms of trying to support them and and really talking to a lot of different, um, during that time, we were speaking to a lot of nursing home operators, also doing some research in terms of, it sounds maybe a little strange, but homeless shelters were putting out some guidance in terms of uh, group sleeping arrangements. And so we were trying to kind of think of those areas where there might be some crossover with a sorority chapter housing living experience where we could use some some of that expertise to help our clients. And so at this point, obviously, like I said, a year into this, many campuses have reopened. Many of our clients have been navigating, you know, all of these these lessons in terms of of housing for nearly a year now, or at least having people or having members back in the chapter houses for for some amount of of time. Obviously, that depends, and we'll talk more about how this depends so widely based on the state you're in and level of infection and all of those things too. But um, it's helpful to look back and see kind of how much information was out there, the areas where we were basically living the uh, scientific method in real time as, you know, we learned new things about the virus and trying to put those into practice. And so I think it's important to recognize how much information we were taking in in a short amount of time, how much we were learning in a short amount of time, all of us collectively, and just having some patience and almost gentleness with ourselves as we come up on this year anniversary of how much we have been through over the last year. And we just, we can't predict the future, but it helps to always look back and see what did we learn? What can we do better and what's going to apply forward? First and foremost is the importance of communication, which we can both talk about. Just knowing that if you are not communicating well before a crisis, the chances are you won't be communicating well and it will be aggravated and even worse during a crisis. And we know in a lot of situations from a housing standpoint, some tension sometimes between the house corporation and chapters in terms of expectations, in terms of just aligning on rules and discipline and things of that nature. And just what obligations are, but making sure that those lines of communication are open if they have not been worked on uh, so far, it's it's important to build those up more than ever. Yeah. And I think what was apparent was that some of those local house corporations that had open communication with maybe their, their Greek life department at their campus or their university health department, or maybe even their local health department already, they already had kind of those relationships that really paid off, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. So like Allison said, that importance of the relationship during non-emergency times, providing a foundation for us in emergency times. Um, And that might be something as we look forward that you build into your practices is connecting with the university personnel on a regular basis. That's going to serve serve you in more crisis times and in just whatever the new normal times might be. And then the other thing we noticed too is that there in some situations there tends to be kind of a, a firewall between the house corporations and the chapters. And in this in COVID, it was really important that they were they were in open communication with each other because so many of the issues overlapped. And then from there, communicating that messaging and being consistent with that messaging to your your members and especially their parents so that you're all on the same page was really important and created some hiccups for 
for some of our clients where that maybe that firewall was too strong and there wasn't good communication there. Yeah. And that seemed to be the thing where where the breakdown happened the most was communication. And, and some of it we know was in some situations, there wasn't a whole lot of guidance from universities on what to do, or they were either trying to shut chapter houses or leaving it up to chapter houses. And just, it was different everywhere. And at the end of the day, parents and members, especially live-in members were looking for answers and any sort of communication and updates seemed to be appreciated, even if it was, we're still waiting and we'll get you an update soon. Uh, I think that's just a good life lesson in general is when you don't have an answer yet, just to let people know that you're working on it. So it's better to um, say something than nothing at all. Exactly. Exactly. And then another piece is just, it was a reminder to us and everyone how important the concept of negligence is when we're talking about liability, meaning you can be liable or held responsible for an event. And that is why you have general liability coverage as a client of MJ and a sorority organization. But in order to prove that a payout needs to happen or some sort of obligation existed, there needs to be a failure of that obligation. And that's where the negligence comes in. So the importance of doing what you say you're going to do became more important than ever. If you post a cleaning schedule and said you were going to clean at certain times and then you didn't, those were the kind of gaps where we found negligence could possibly be created. So just the importance of follow through and the significance of the legal ramifications of that became greater than ever. And we noticed too, just some feedback from clients that in certain situations, everyone was so scared of the liability piece of being responsible for communal housing for sorority members that sometimes we forgot about the financial components and other implications of decisions about when and how and to what extent to close chapter facilities. And so just a reminder to always work with your headquarters, another great place to communicate and make sure that lines lines of communication are open. And just to remember that uh, don't be so scared of, of liability that you you forget all the other components. And, and that's part of risk is, is we want people to be safe. We want to make good decisions that are going to be in the interest of the safety and health of everyone. And But there's also other realities that have to be considered and can't totally be thrown to the wind. And so getting guidance and someone that can walk you through each of those pieces before making a big choice always helps. Yes, definitely. Good point. I think that is a perfect segue into how much flexibility was needed, especially from a leadership standpoint. So us at MJ, the leaders of your national organizations, because things were different from a state to state basis, depending on your governor and your state legislature. And even from you know campus to campus, things were wildly different in terms mm-hmm. of how they were handling either reopening or testing or virtual learning, fill in the blank. And so from a leadership standpoint, the messaging was needed to be really flexible based on your local environment. And so I think that that is a kind of muscle that we built during this time, especially I mean, I think as individuals, we had, we've just had to be really flexible. Uh, Allison mm-hmm. and I were talking before that my daughter's class is quarantined for two weeks starting today, just after we finally were somewhat in a, in a back to school schedule. So I think that individually, we have just had to build this muscle of flexibility 
um, and adaptability. And we don't want to let that atrophy in like in whatever this new normal might look like. Once it's going to be so easy to atrophy and feel (laughs) like, you know, I know we're also ready, as you said, in your situation, you know, your daughter being like, I'm so sick of COVID, Bob. It's like, we all are. Um, right. Not to, not to interject, but yes, I, I think it's, we can't let that muscle atrophy, even though it's so tempting. Um, yes. So I think that's important for us individually, but especially as leaders in our organizations, mm-hmm. how can we leverage that new muscle so that we maintain that strength? What does it look like? And I mean, in our environment with just so much information coming at us every day, that is a skill that will serve us in whatever we do moving forward, sorority world or not. And so how can we leverage that? From an MJ perspective, we had to be less black and white thinking. And I think national sorority leadership had to be like that as well. There had to be more nuance in terms of our recommendations. So for example, typically in the commercial kitchen, we do not recommend that chapter members utilize the commercial kitchen because it's just professional equipment that needs to be serviced and used in a specific way. And we have always recommended that individuals that are trained to do so do that. But then COVID hit and we maybe certain house corporations couldn't afford their cooking service or their chef because there was there were much fewer members on premises. And so we had to rethink some of those situations and be more nuanced in our recommendations and kind of walk our clients through that a little bit more. That's just one example of trying to see the gray. And I think that our world is just becoming a little bit more, or we're waking up to, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. how gray it really is and that how few things are really black and white in terms of either totally wrong or totally right. And usually something in the middle there and the importance of tailoring messaging to groups, individual situations. So in this situation with COVID, if a campus was maybe a little bit more opened up than another one, trying to walk them through event planning and how to social distance as much as possible in the chapter house or things along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be really important going forward that we maintain that flexibility and build on that. I agree with everything you just said. And it's, it's definitely taken us growing and, and strengthening and maintaining new muscles in terms of it is easy to jump to the health and safety thought first and foremost and, and give a pretty blanket answer. Um, but understanding that everyone's situation is different and everyone's going to have different needs. And as tempting as it is from both sides to both seek a clear answer and want to give a super definitive answer. Sometimes it's just not that simple. And it's truly a matter of weighing risks and saying what what is most important here and how can we balance that to the best extent we can. And it's really given us perspective about what's what's important. I think issues that seemed bigger, there's still issues and, and important things to talk about, but things like live-in requirements or, or topics we want to revisit, but maybe with a new lens, knowing that We've all had to adjust to challenges much bigger than those this past year in 2020. And so just knowing that we can keep doing that and we want to keep growing and learning from these lessons. So we'd love to hear from you about your lessons learned, especially regarding housing during COVID. We know since so many situations were different, we'd love to hear challenges you faced, how you overcame them, and maybe things for other house corporations to consider. We're all about sharing here 
And housing is a piece that certainly while there's components that are competitive, keeping everyone safe and, and housed and financially solvent to the best of our abilities is, is going to be in the general interest of all. Yeah, so you could send those comments to realtalk at mjsorority.com and we would love to share them on a future episode perhaps. Yes, that would be great. Now, as we look forward from a housing standpoint, Allison, what are some things that we have tossed around in terms of what are the ramifications, the post-COVID ramifications? So asking questions like, uh, will this be the end of group sleeping arrangements? We know that cold dorms or sleeping porches have been a thing common to many chapter houses. They have been much more difficult to manage during this time. Uh, so even looking at when renovations are happening, asking hard questions like, is this, is this really the way we want to do this anymore? What are the advantages and disadvantages and, and which outweighs the other? Questions like social distancing in really difficult sorority houses where that's just hard to do. And in general, communal living makes that difficult. And then specifically the layout of certain facilities makes that even more challenging. So just thinking about the long-term implications. If someone decides not to live in this year, does that free up more space to meet guidelines better? Being flexible on their schedule, they might not want to live in the whole year. Uh, And so what does that look like? That is not usually going to jive with the way leases and housing contracts work. But how are we putting new verbiage and language in those contracts to know that there are some evolving exceptional circumstances that may continue to arise, both from COVID and otherwise. And I think, too, one thing talked about a lot is just how experiencing a pandemic changes our priorities. And so, you know, just from a from a cleaning schedule standpoint or other things that people might not have worried about before that might become important now that we need to be cognizant of, especially from our live-in members standpoint and being open to receiving those and perhaps adapting to those expectations so long as they're reasonable and prudent and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think something we talked about when we just kind of recapped COVID in general in our first kind of comeback episode was the idea of COVID as an accelerant. And so by that, we mean it accelerated issues that were already in place, obviously creating some new issues too. But oftentimes, people were already talking about problems that COVID accelerated our attention and need to address sooner. And so I think organizations that don't or that aren't willing to evolve will be left behind in light of this. And so we need to, again, using that flexibility muscle that we've gained, allowing everything to be on the table is going to be really important. And to be honest, I think it's really exciting in terms of what new things might be birthed out of this really difficult time, this this grieving time, obviously a time of loss for so many, and that on the other side of things that there is a real opportunity for growth individually, but organizationally as well. And so I think that one way of looking at it on a more optimistic note is just how how we can evolve to be better and how we can use this crisis, as Winston Churchill says, never to to waste a crisis. How we can how we can use it to our advantage and to be more sustainable organizations for the long term. So we would, as we mentioned, love to hear from you in terms of what you see looking forward from a housing standpoint. What lessons related to housing you have learned? 
during COVID. And you can contact us at realtalk at mjsorority.com. And now we will turn the page to our our lighter segment of what we can't stop talking about lately. So why don't you hit us off, Allison? Sure, sure. So I was telling you just before this that I, you know, my creative outlet is often music, specifically creating playlists and have been into this concept of slow burn recently. I saw that as a a, a genre category, a movie option on some streaming service and um, have seen it in music too, just this concept of um, music or plots or things that kind of have a slow build to them um, and aren't really in your face, but are a little more subtle than that. And so it's just been fun to think about that concept, build some music around that, find, find songs that may be applicable. Uh, and I think it just fits the season, especially the end of winter. It just, it always feels like, uh, especially in cold places where we have snow on the ground and snow that stays in weird chunks on the ground in random places. Um, just this slow kind of slushy feeling that we have going into spring sometimes. Yeah. As you said that, I thought it's the perfect metaphor for this in-between season. We find ourselves in with hope on the horizon with bigger supply of vaccines, but not here yet. So we're still in this in-between slow burn time. Yep. The almost and the not yet. Yeah. That leads sort of into what I can't stop talking about. I have noticed throughout COVID in myself, but also talking to friends, it doesn't always hit at the same time, but it seems like I I started naming it the pandemic wall. And it's like this, you just hit this wall where things might be, you know, moving along. So I joke that at the beginning of quarantine, I was all excited about all these things that we were going to do. And our family was like playing game nights all the time. And it was really fun. And then like six weeks into it, I was terrible at e-learning and my children agreed and um, <laughs> it was just a lot of togetherness and just kind of hit this wall. And it seems like that pattern has kind of repeated itself over the last year where I've been really, oh, seeing the bright side of things and enjoying aspects of, you know, being a little bit more hunkered down, being just uh, the four of us, my two kids and my husband. And then I hit this wall. And so this time, I, I February has been a little bit of a pandemic wall, not surprising, winter in Indiana coinciding too. But it's just been helpful to name it and see that, recognize other people are experiencing the same thing. And that's just part of it, living through a pandemic, which most of us have never done before. And and just trying to see what gifts there are, just like we talked about in the episode, um, kind of building that flexibility muscle is a gift I think will be available, hopefully on the other side of things and seeing what other gifts there are, but also just letting myself feel my feelings and <laughs> acknowledge that this is hard too. So that mm-hmm. has been helpful. And I've just been talking about it a lot myself. And it seems with friends too, it just seems kind of everybody's in that, like you said, that slow burn spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And that, yeah, what a great life lesson because obviously magnified by the pan- the pandemic, as you said, but we'll always hit those walls and need to know how to slow down and know what that means and that there are times to push through and there are times not to and kind of just step back and, and reevaluate and go, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> what and, and what should we be doing now? And so we've certainly tried to do that in, in our intentionality with this podcast and hope some of this has been helpful as, as you reflect back on housing lessons learned this past year as well. 
Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mjsorority.com. Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart. Be safe. And we'll catch you next time.